electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job. Not just to entertain, of course, but to teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, Tim Kramer. This market keeps making mistakes. It's truly unnerving how it keeps fooling people. Sure, the overall averages are still flopping and chopping. As I said, they're going to do dipping 80 points today. S&P declining 0.06%. NASDAQ advancing 0.31%. But some of the biggest stocks out there just fail to get the appreciation they deserve. I guess you could say that sometimes this market could be as dumb as a bag of hammers. And this is one of those times. Let me go over some of the market's real gaffes here, so you know what I mean. I'm going to start with Eli Lilly and its diet and weight loss drug, Zepbound. We own Lilly for the Travel Trust, so I've been patiently waiting for them to start selling this particular drug in the U.S. At the same time, I've been wondering if insurance companies would pay for it. Sure enough, today we learned that Zepbound will be sold in the U.S. effective December 1. It's going to be added to the national preferred formulary for Express Scripts and Cigna Healthcare. Bingo! Insurance is going to pay for ZepBound, which, by the way, has greater efficacy than the only competing product from Nova Nordisk, and it costs $300 less per month. Which one do you think they're going to back? This is important news, very good important news. But what happens? Stock opens down, proceeds to fall six points. Six points, for heaven's sake. I was apoplectic and told club members at our morning meeting, just go buy that darn stock, especially new club members who didn't own it. The decline was insane. Then the stock rips higher, finishing up two and a half bucks, and that was all she wrote. How about Procter & Gamble? Okay, here's a company that's been dogged by endless issues involving currency fluctuations versus a strong dollar. Virtually every time it seems like Procter's about to deliver an earnings breakout, the strong dollar whacks them, which is exactly what happened last quarter. So what did the company do today? Procter decided to take matters into its own hands. As Andre Shulton, the CFO, pointed out at a Morgan Stanley conference, Quote, when you think about places like Nigeria and when you think about places like Argentina, it's very difficult for us as a U.S. dollar-denominated company to create value. It's also difficult to operate because of the macroeconomic environment. End quote. So Procter's minimizing exposure to these two countries where they're being obliterated by the strong dollar at risk. $450 million in annual sales. I say take the charge and skedaddle. We own Procter for the Travel Trust, and we've been hoping they would do just this. Yet what happens? The stock fell 3.5% today. The company had a $1 billion currency hit this year. That has to come down. The same thing happened, by the way, I looked it up, eight years ago, Venezuela. They just kept getting killed and killed by Venezuela. Boom, they finally decided to pull out, and the stock, it gets crushed. But when the smoke cleared, it was clear sailing higher for ages. Now, it's true. Also, Proctor told us China remains a problem. If their business is going to get weaker before it gets stronger. But what's plagued this company endlessly, why it keeps missing the numbers, is sticking with countries where the currencies are constantly being devalued. I'm not really missing the numbers, but just not doing what I want, okay? Today's action is terrific. But the stock, it's wrong. 
Procter & Gamble's a buy. Oh, then there's Apple. All right, now this is the biggest of the big. The market can get even Apple wrong. The stock opened mostly flat, down two bucks as part of a market-wide decline. Even as Bank of America said today that their App Store plans are ahead of expectations. And Han High, also known as Foxconn here, said that it had the second best November ever, up 18% year over year. While Apple's notoriously circumspect about which companies it uses to build cell phones, we know that the strongest Foxconn division cited is the one that makes the iPhone. Wall Street research has been hyper-focused on how many days it takes to get a new cell phone. The longer the wait, the better it must be selling, they say. But what if Apple's simply making enough phones to meet strong demand? What if lead times are a bogus way to judge how the company's doing? Like with Lilly, the market came to a census and Apple stock reversed, only finishing up nearly $4. The market was monumentally wrong at the opening, and maybe lead times aren't the best way. What else? For days, we've been worried about Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo's new crackdown on AI chips, thinking it must be impacting NVIDIA's bottom line. Stock's been stumbling in fear of how onerous these new rules must be. But it turns out there are no real changes. There are no new rules. NVIDIA's totally compliant. All that fretting has been for nothing. They know nothing. Plus, at the same time, we learned that NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wong is doing his best to supply intelligent processors to Japan despite the shortage of chips. So let's see. Let's see. Not only are there no new regulations, there's a new customer that wants all the NVIDIA chips they can get. Yet what happens? The stock opens down. Eventually, Wall Street got its act together and NVIDIA stock finished up 10 bucks. But the head fight get through it may misled a lot of people. That's why, like Apple, I say, own it. Don't trade it. All right, how about the crazy action in the stock of Disney? Last week, the House of Mouse restored its dividend, something that people were claiming for. But many were worried that the company didn't have the balance sheet to both cover the dividend and pay for the rest of Hulu, as it's going to have to do. In reality, though, Disney's actually spewing cash, even as we keep hearing stories about how bad the box office numbers are. They can easily pay the dividend and the rest of Hulu. Now, I know that Disney's board of directors is not open to admitting huge shareholder Nelson Peltz. But I also know that proxy fights can be very good for shareholders, and that's what Peltz is going to bring this party. The stock is way underperformed. Shareholders have lost a huge amount of money, and Peltz, who controls $3 billion of stock, has an awful lot of skin in the game. Today, a Disney shareholder, Encora Holdings, with more than $8 billion under management, came out in favor of Peltz. As Encora said in its note to fellow shareholders, quote, Mr. Peltz is a pioneer and shareholder of activism who has made billions of dollars over many decades for himself, his partners, and fellow shareholders in the companies which, which he's invested. Mr. Peltz, our qualified designee, would make a fantastic addition to Disney's board, end quote. You know what? I couldn't agree more. When you have an active shareholder like Pels, you get someone in the boardroom who has lots of money on the line. Something I think has really been absent if you take out that boardroom. It's not like the company's done a great job on its own. Stock's been, been cut in half in a couple of years' time. Maybe it's time to hold someone accountable for these losses. I don't hear anyone willing to say anything about how poorly the stock's done. My chapel trust is a long-suffering shareholder at Disney, and I tell you, I got, I got to agree with Hancora here. Pels can be a change agent because right now the board seems downright unfocused. I say that knowing and respecting new board member James Gorman from Morgan Stanley. Skin in the game, people. Pels has skin in the game. Who else does? With Encore's letter in the dividend news last week, I don't agree with the downward trajectory of Disney stock. Today it should have been higher, not lower. Give me a break. Look, on any given day, we're giving, getting these imperfections, these mistakes, these juvenile, uninformed, ill-advised moves. Of course, the market can be wrong in small cap situations all the time because not many people are paying attention. But these are huge companies with gigantic valuations. To me, it says there are plenty of shareholders who don't even know what they own or even what matters to the direction of a stock. Here's the bottom line. As long as there are mistakes, there are opportunities. In each one of these cases, the buying opportunities seem obvious. 
I think it's just a matter of time before the others react correctly, giving the opportunistic, more fearless investors a terrific chance to build great positions in these amazing American companies. Let's go to Trey in Texas. Trey. Jim, I went to Chase Bank today to inquire about opening a joint checking account. They asked who I wanted to open the account with, and I said any of their high net worth clients would do. I was shown the door and unsuccessful in opening the account, but I can certainly see why their retail banking is growing at the rate it is. And I wanted to see if you think this is a catalyst and we buy J.P. Morgan here. Well, look, I have to think that J.P. Morgan stock has just had a very big move, but it still yields 2.6% and still not expensive, selling at nine times earnings. I'm used to this stock, frankly, selling at around 12 times earnings. So I agree with you. I think you should, they should let you have an account, too. Let's go to Ryan in Illinois, please. Ryan. Hey, Jim. Um Thinking about Netflix borrowing a chapter from the Disney playbook, take content marketing, merchandising, and new releases to a new level by acquiring Six Flags. Six wow. has uh, 27 theme and water parks and a $2 billion market cap. What do you think? Well, I, I think that they're in different businesses, actually. I mean, they're not really in the uh they're not in the experiential entertainment business. They're really in, in the film ever, uh, business. And I think the fact that they're focused actually likes, makes me like them more, not less. I say Netflix sticks to its knitting, and it's good. Let's go Enrique in Texas. Enrique. How are you doing, Mr. Kramer? I'm doing fine. How are you, Enrique? Thank you for taking my call and your team for all they do. Happy holidays. Oh, thank you. Same. So the stock I want to bring up is Robinhood Markets. I know uh, they've been getting a small rally right now is because of Bitcoin, possibly, but it's been sitting in a horizontal pattern for the past year and some change between 8 and $13. Do you think with the UK expansion and the mission to soon reach the EU, can it finally break out of this pattern? Well, I'll tell you what I think the problem is. Most of their share, well, a majority of their shareholders are either in these uh, crypto or they're in options, and they need a more steady uh, group of customers. That's what would make me interested in the stock. Plus, they got to start making some money. You got to make money to be recommended on the on the show. It is Mad Money. Now, on Mad Money tonight, my viewers are so smart. Sometimes they even stump me on stock questions. So I did my homework, and now I'm ready to give you my take and tell you if this particular stock can hold water. Then, have the bears just been misinterpreting the yield curve all along? Maybe it's really more cyclical than we all thought and more bullish. I'm going to go off the charts to find out. And can Signet Jewelers bring some bling to your portfolio this holiday season after buying back millions of dollars worth of shares? I'm checking in with the CEO, so stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Cramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. He liked it. <laughs> he liked the idea. I was like, I, I called my wife. I said, hey, Tim, go like my idea. He liked my idea. He liked it. He liked it. Took me weeks to come up with it. I bet. I'm glad you're spending a lot of time on that because it's not like you have a shortage of time. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. 
When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visited visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. Every so often when I get asked about a stock that I really haven't been following, I promise to put it to the side and do more homework. Sometimes it's because I'm totally unfamiliar with it. There are a lot of stocks out there these days. Sometimes it's because I simply haven't been paying any attention. Back on November 20th, I punted for the second reason when Sam in my old home state of Pennsylvania asked about Leslie's. That's a pool supply company. As Sam actually pointed out, the stock's been a dog. He wanted to know why that was and whether it might be a buy down here. When I looked it up, I was shocked to see that Leslie's, which came public at 17 in 2020 and peaked at $32 in 2021, had plunged all the way down to 5 bucks and change. So I said I'd circle back. Leslie's actually piqued my interest when it crossed through the IPO window three years ago. For one simple reason. For ages, we really only have one publicly traded stock that was a pure play on the pool business, Pool Corp. And Pool Corp has been a huge long-term success story, something you've been able to participate in if you're a regular viewer because they've got a long history coming on the show. When we first started airing Mad Money in 2005, Pool Corp was trading in the low 30s. Now it's at 300, in the 350s. So I figured Leslie might work, too, although a third pool company, Hayward Holdings, quickly came public in March of 2021. Now, let's say there's no longer scarcity value. It's three up. Both Leslie's and Hayward have mostly been duds since their IPO, even though the long-reliable pool corp had a nasty correction in 2022. Luckily, it deserved one. The stock went bonkers during the euphoric period of 2020 and 2021. Really, looking at this trio of pool stocks over the past three years, the most notable thing is that Pool Corp and Hayward have mounted decent comebacks after the bottoming late last year, while Leslie's has kept sliding lower and lower, even setting a new all-time low last month. So why has Leslie's been doing so poorly, even after the other pool plays started rebounding? It would be one thing if everybody was getting crushed by the end of COVID. Uh, great outdoors thesis, skyrocketing mortgage rates, which was the case last year. But long-term interest rates have now plummeted, and the other pool stocks are making a comeback. Leslie's has been left out because, frankly, it seems like a much worse operator than its competitors. Yeah, not a great operator. A huge chunk of the stock's losses came in July when the company had to pre-announce a very weak quarter while slashing its full-year earnings guidance and disclosing that the CFO was stepping down. A number of adults who have been defending the stock immediately jumped ship in response. And who can blame them? An unexpected CFO resignation equals sell. I've always said that, especially when it's paired with truly bad numbers. And when Leslie's reported its most recent quarter last Tuesday, the results weren't much better. There was no negative pre-announcement this time, and the company posted a smaller than expected sales decline. But it also had another earnings miss. And more importantly, management offered very weak guidance for both the current quarter and the new fiscal year. That caused even more analysts and investors to give up on Leslie's because the forecast was effectively saying that the business is a long way from bottoming. 
Now, Goldman Sachs analyst Kate McShane, one of the few who still had a buy rating on Leslie's heading to the quarter, quickly downgraded it to neutral, cutting her price target in half from $10 to $5. She still likes a long-term story, but she feels the upcoming year will be a bad one. No thank you. Here's the best thing that we can say about Leslie's. After tumbling more than 10% last Wednesday in response to the quarter and another 5% last Thursday, the stocks rebounded off its lows, 5% gain on Friday, nearly 10% gain yesterday, when all of the worst stocks had a day of glory, like I told you last night. Sometimes a nice bounce after a batch of bad news is a very positive sign, an indicator that all the negatives have been digested, it's washed out, and that anyone who was going to sell is already sold. But man, that, that alone is not a good enough reason to buy this stock. And with Leslie's, the bar is even higher. We need a valid reason why this thing would be a better buy than Pool Corp, our tried and true favorite in space. Unfortunately, there's really no comparison here. First, the two companies have slightly different business models, with Leslie's more focused on direct-to-consumer sales, while Pool Corp is more of a wholesale distributor, doing most of its business with professional contractors and other retailers. See, I prefer the Pool Corp models. Leslie's focus on direct-to-consumer sales makes the company feel a little bit more like a discretionary spending play. In fact, one of the problems for Leslie's this year has been really bad traffic numbers for its stores. And that problem isn't getting resolved as many bulls would have hoped. How about the financials? Here's all you really need to know about this. After Leslie saw its earnings per share plummet 70% from its, uh, from its 2022 fiscal year to its 2023 fiscal year, the company just got it for flat to slightly up numbers in 2024 fiscal year. Flat numbers are pretty bad after a huge down year. As for Pool Corp, their 2023 isn't over yet. But using the midpoint of their forecast, this company's only, uh, only on track to take a 23% earnings hit for 2023. And the analysts expect 7% earnings growth next year. Now, that's a much better earnings trajectory, almost like it's only raining on Leslie's side of the street and sunny skies uh, swimming over there at Pool Court. So here's the final consideration for me. And something I tell you, you really got to pay close attention to. It's the balance sheet. Pool Corp has a much better balance sheet with around $1.25 billion in debt uh, versus a uh, $13.68 billion dollar market capitalization. Ultimately, Pool Corp has a low leverage ratio of just 1.5. Leslie's, meanwhile, has around $982 million in net debt versus just a $1.05 billion market cap. And its leverage ratio comes out of 5.8, which is insanely high. Why? Because Leslie's used to be a private equity portfolio company. Like I always say, you got to be careful of those because the P firms love to load up their companies with excess debt for pointing them off on a credulous public, especially when there's a booming IPO market, which is pretty much exactly what happened here with Leslie's. So here's the bottom line. I can't get behind this Leslie's even down here. And it's no wonder that the stock's been obliterated. They're in the same business as Pool Corp. But Leslie's is a much worse operator with a horror movie of a balance sheet. I'd rather watch the entire Saw franchise than look at those numbers. You want pool exposure? Go with Best of Breed. Go with Pool Corp. Mid Money's back after the break. Coming up... Trouble with the curve? Yields have bears growling. Kramer goes off the charts for the truth. Next. Good evening, Mr. Kramer. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do. You've been such a wonderful source of information with your teachings. I have to say thanks. Thank you for all your advice and saving us from ourselves. Your advice? Let me quit a job that I hated. I love you to death. Thank you for everything you do. Thanks for making us money. And more importantly, thanks for keeping us from losing money. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. 
You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. two years, we've been warned endlessly about the yield curve, the difference between the yield on the short-term two-year Treasury and the long-term 10-year Treasury. The purveyors of pessimism constantly warned us that we had an inverted yield curve, where short rates were above long rates, and that meant we were destined for a nasty recession. But if you sold stocks in their advice, you missed out on what turned out to be a pretty darn good bull market, with the Dow Jones Industrial Average hitting new highs last week. This whole time, I've told you not to take the yield curve too seriously. Because the simple truth is that we don't get a recession every time there's an inverted yield curve. And even if we do get one, the timing doesn't necessarily line up with what the bears expect. You could say the yield curve predicted 12 of the last six recessions. The bears like to growl that an inverted yield curve means stocks are ready to tumble. And again, sometimes it's true. Other times it's led you astray, like at 1989, 1998, 2006, when we saw runaway bull markets. You would have had to wait a year or two for the slowdown to hit in those cases. But what if we're looking at all this very wrong? Tonight we're going off the charts with Larry Williams. He's a legendary technician and market historian who's written over a dozen books, created a ton of proprietary technical indicators. More important, his recent track record is just phenomenal. He said in November, he said it would be an amazing time for the bulls. Well, how about that, November? Of the many times that Larry has called big, big moves, he got this one. Maybe this was the best one he's ever had for us. November was incredible. And according to Larry Williams, the yield curve has actually been saying something very different from what the bears were hearing. To Larry, the yield curve has been screaming that stocks are buy. What the bears miss is that there's a cycle to the yield curve, a cycle that does an excellent job of forecasting stock prices. No one knows cycles like Larry Williams. And according to Larry, the yield curve has an approximate cycle of four years. Take a look. You've got the yield curve plotted in black, the difference between the 10-year and the 2-year, with the four-year cycle plotted in green. This goes back more than 20 years, and you can see the cycle consistently lines up the tops and bottoms in the actual yield curve. So what happens when you slap Larry's yield curve cycle on top of the Dow Jones Industrial Average? Check it out. The Dow's in red, okay? The cycle's in green. You can see how lows in this four-year cycle uh, are just excellent times to buy stocks. Plus, as long as the yield curve cycle was trending up, stocks have consistently rallied. What does that mean for the present moment? Okay, check out the action the Dow versus the yield curve going back through 2014. You can see the same pattern. Lows in the yield curve cycle represent times to hold stocks, not sell them. Williams says it's been that way for the past 25 years. If we zoom in even further, looking for 2021 through today, with the yield curve cycle projected out into 2026, what does it tell us? Given that Larry's yield curve cycle seems to work pretty darn well as the predictor of where the stock market is headed, it's good news that the yield curve is headed up. As Williams sees it, a rigorous analysis of the yield curve turns the conventional wisdom on its head. And right now, it's got him convinced that stocks remain very much in a bullish mode. How about individual names? Okay, right here, Williams likes Tesla, Apple, and Disney, all because of their cycle forecast. He uses the same kind of analysis that gave him the four-year yield curve cycle to predict where these stocks might be headed. Take Tesla. Williams thinks it's going to surprise the Musk marginalizers because his suck work suggests that Tesla can keep rallying into February. 
You can see here, price has followed the general cycle path in red. And that path suggests that the stock's ready to roar through late February. Then there's Apple. Again, the stock price is in black with Larry's Apple cycle forecast in red. As he sees it, this may be a case of the stodgy old Dow Jones average leading the tech stocks as the Dow's close to a new high for the year. So Larry's betting the number one stock in most people's portfolio will follow. He expects a little dip here, followed by a holding pattern. And then just before Christmas, Apple should start a major move higher with some real legs to it, as we see in this chart. You know my view. Own it. Don't trade it. Finally, I asked Larry if Disney could make a meaningful turnaround. And he sent me this chart. Disney paired with a cycle forecast. Over a year ago, this is what the cycle forecast predicted for Disney. The blue line is the period where he was anticipating a rally. The black line shows where he predicted declines. Ultimately, he thought the stock would bottom in November. And you know what? That's pretty much exactly what happened. So what does he see for Disney now? Take a look. It sure seems like times have changed because the cycle forecast for Disney now points higher, at least through next spring. Even though the stock's just begun to rebound, he thinks the long-term trend has turned back up. When you drill down, Williams expects Disney to dip in late December, giving you a spectacular buying opportunity by late, by late March, followed by another powerful leg higher for the stock. In short, his analysis says the turn of Disney's real. Makes sense to me. Bob Iger's had some time to, to right the ship. And we like the concentration being brought on by large shareholder Nelson Pels, who wants to seat at the table, which is why, despite the losses we have in it, we still own it for the charitable trust. Here's the bottom line. The charts as interpreted by Larry Williams suggest the bears have been doing yield curve analysis all wrong. When you actually look at the data, the yield curve's got a cycle, one that's correlated pretty strongly with the stock market. And right now, it says stocks are going higher, not lower. That's one reason he's confident recommending Tesla, Apple, and Disney right here. I certainly wouldn't have bet against him on the market or on those three stocks. Let's take some calls. Let's go to Jake in Maryland. Jake. Booyah, Jim. This is Jake from Clarksville, Maryland. I wanted to know if I should increase my stake in Boeing or go with the likes of Northrop Grumman. Um, I actually like Boeing very much here. I think that it's got a multi-year move. Things are finally breaking Boeing's way, and that's what I want you to do, Jake. I want you to buy more Boeing. It's really about to take off. All right, how about we go to Steve in North Carolina? Steve. Booyah, 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 Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Excellent. What's going on? Uh. Quick shout-out to my parents been married for 73 years, Robert and Ruth, and to the newest addition to our family, Ava, from my nephew and his beautiful wife, Susanna. Um, Tremendous. Got Tremendous. Got a question on Generac. It's up 19% in the last month. Do you think it's right. still got room to run? Well, Steve, it's really turned out to be a play on uh, interest rates because it takes financing to buy Generac uh, equipment. And I think that interest rates are still going to go lower. And therefore, I think Genrec's still a buy. Crazy, isn't it? It's a finance play. All right, the charts interpreted by Larry Williams suggest that the bears have been doing yield curve analysis all wrong. When you actually look at the data, the yield curve is correlated pretty strongly with the stock market. And right now, it's saying everything could go higher. There's much more made on it. It seems like everyone and their mother is getting married these days. So how are engagement milestones impacting a company like Signet Jewelers? I'm learning more with the CEO. Then a lot of investors want to find an EV play, but there's a strategy to find the right one. I'm going to give you my take. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Oh, yeah, 
Jim, I love you, man. I've been watching you from day one. Thank you for all the wonderful advice that you provide us. I'm learning so much watching your show. Watch your program every day. I love it. Always wanted to say booyah on your show. Thank you for being the greatest in the world. We consider you the money market maker, and we thank you for all you do. I love your show. I long time fans of your show, and we think it's the most entertaining program on TV. Most industries got over COVID ages ago, but that's not necessarily the case in the jewelry business because so much of their sales are driven by engagement rings. It takes time for couples through dating to decide to get married. Take Signet Jewelers, the parent of Kay, Jared, and Sales. Signet's seen its sales plummet this year thanks to a major lull in dating during the pandemic. It's now more than three years later, and it's still having an impact. Stay tuned. When Signet reported this morning, they posted a very healthy top and bottom line beat. And more important, management indicated that they're seeing signs the engagement recovery has begun. And that's why the stock soared today, hitting a new and deserved 52-week high. So could this be the start of a major multi-year move? Let's find out with Jim Grosso. She's the turnaround artist CEO of Signet Shores. Jim, welcome back to Mid Money. Oh, thank you, Jim. Great, great to be here. Well, I am so excited because what you are now saying is that a, a headwind, could be switching to a tailwind for your most important business. Exactly. Uh, bridal jewelry, especially engagement rings, uh, represent about 50% of our sales. Uh, this year, we predicted would be a trough. Uh, engagements are off 25% versus a typical year. But the trough has happened, and we're now seeing signs that engagements are coming back. So that's good news for us. Well, I've got to tell you, one thing is certain, that there would be another time with before you got to this company that it would have been crushed during this period. But instead, you've been managing to lean into a lot of the different trends, and you can barely tell it's been hit, and now I think it's ready to soar. Uh, well, thank you. I, you know, we've grown our fashion business quite considerably. We see engagements as a point of market entry into the category, and from that we springboard into birthdays, anniversaries, bridal gifts, things like that. Uh, we now have a loyalty program that's 4 million people strong. We've been targeting over the last few months 14 million people who are in dating relationships. And we can tell, are they at the beginning of that relationship? Are they getting near the end? Are they getting close to engagement? And if they are, of course, we're there to help them. Well, you made point of entry. How about the point of entry that is your website, where you have tremendous designers really making it so that people want to go to your stores via the website? That's right. We know that now about 78% of people start their shopping journey for jewelry online. Our websites are unrivaled in uh, our ability to help people search and browse, our ability to educate. We also have custom opportunities on our websites. Uh, Just recently, I heard a heartwarming story of a man who'd been deployed. Uh, He wanted to design an engagement ring, and he did it right there on our K site using our custom capability. Well, I know you've got great scientists, but you have great data. And now one of the things your data tells you is that the beginning when everyone has this Black Friday thing, that may, that's part of your sales, and it tends to be for a little bit lower end. But you're actually heading into your best three weeks right now. 
That's exactly right. So Black Friday, of course, matters. It's a big traffic driving holiday. Uh, usually it ends the shopping season for women who are buying mostly lower price jewelry for gifts or for themselves. This year they came out strong. So uh, we saw that uh, price points under $1,000 did very well for us across K, Zales, Banter, Peoples. That was great. We saw higher price points doing really well on Jared. Uh, and that's the beginning of the engagement recovery coming back. So we would expect to see both higher priced fashion jewelry as well as engagement rings during the month of December. Okay, you've also broadened the appeal. Uh, Younger Gen Z consumers, tell me about that. You know, it's interesting. We've been doing surveys among younger consumers, especially pre-engagement consumers for years. We just got back our latest survey results. It turns out 80% of Gen Z and millennial customers who aren't married want to get engaged. And in fact, that's up from a survey that we did five years ago. So engagement is alive and well. It's also shifting a bit. This is the first year that multicultural engagements will actually be bigger than white non-Hispanic engagements. And that's interesting too. I mean, that lends itself to trends like yellow gold jewelry. Of course, we have bilingual uh, sales associates and signage in our stores. So I think we're, we're well prepared for that new phenomenon as well. Okay, I can't have you on without talking about where the company was when you came in. <laughs> I, look, I, I'm just so proud of you. I mean, frankly, uh, I thought the company was a goner. I told you that at lunch. I said, <laughs> why are you taking this job? I mean, come on, this thing is just mm-hmm. done. Uh, the turnaround has been pretty much on your, your time frame. And it started with the culture, didn't it? I think it really did. Um, We had a a culture that was pretty top-down. People didn't feel comfortable innovating at all levels of the organization. Uh, We've changed all that. Uh, We've been a great place to work company for the last five years, and I credit it to being a purpose-led company. You know, at Signet Jewelers, we get up every morning thinking, how can we inspire love in the world? That's what jewelry does, and I think especially at a time like this in our world, uh, inspiring love is more important than ever. Well, I understand that there are people who actually on vacation do business because they like working with you and and are selling well. That's true. In part, that's because of the digital tools that we've given our sales team now. Uh, We have over 5,000 sales associates who have a digital storefront. So they're actually marketing and and selling right off of their own social media. Uh, It's fantastic what we can do now with digital tools. Well, okay, so I... There are a couple other things that I'm trying to get a handle on that it had to do with COVID. So you had this period where people were shut in, so they weren't meeting people. How do we really know that that's going to be uh, necessarily go to fruition, so to speak? People, are people still dating like they used to? I mean, give me some numbers. Where's your data show? Yeah, so... We've identified 45 milestones that couples can go through between the moment when they 45. meet. 45. 45 trackable milestones. So not every couple does every single one, but these are two. Uh, I don't think I did any. So, for example, uh, going on a trip together or okay, moving okay. in together would be late stage milestones. Okay. In the past quarter, we have seen those two milestones surge in terms of how many people are crossing over into that period of time where they're ready to get engaged. How do you have that data? 
Well, we developed it through surveys that we did with customers and through working with partners like Google. That's another good example. Google uh, searches for engagement rings are up 10% uh, over the most recent period. It's the first time in two years that they've been up versus the previous year. So we've worked a lot with our partners, Meta, Google, et cetera. We have our own proprietary data. So we, we know a lot about dating couples. And, and so we feel quite confident that our predictions are right and that the engagement trough has happened and we have a three-year tailwind behind well, us. Well, a three-year tailwind with uh, an incredibly well-run company that has done so many things right since you've come aboard. I cannot say enough about your turn. It is just remarkable. Starts at the top, I understand, goes through the organization. That's Jenna Droso. She's the CEO of Signatures, one of my absolute favorites. And Mad Money is back after the break. Thank you. Thanks. Coming up, pop open those umbrellas and tee up your toughest questions. Kramer takes on all comers in the lightning round. Next. Booyah, Jim. Your integrity makes you the Booyah Saint of Wall Street. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Booyah, Jim. Quadruple. That's a lot of booyahs. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dance on the lightning round. I'm going to start with Osvaldo in Texas. Osvaldo. Hey, Jim. Booyah. How you doing, buddy? Booyah. I'm doing well. How about you there, partner? Good, good, good. good. Enjoying this weather. I have a question. What do you think about Weinhauser, ticker WY? I like the stock long term. I think you're doing a lot of good things, making a lot of money, and I do think that housing is very strong. Let's go to Maxin in Puerto Rico. Maxin. Hi, booyah, booyah. Happy holidays, Jim. Oh, same to you. Thank you. Same to you. Been been listening and um, viewing your program since uh, 2006. Holy cow. Cadre. Yeah, yeah. It's always a pleasure to hear you. Thank Um, you. I was wondering what what, uh, do you think about TTWO? I like Take Two. I, I watched the uh, trailer for Grand Theft Auto. I thought it was amazing. I've got to tell you, I thought the stock, a lot of people seem to expect that maybe this thing's going to be rushed. It's not. You own the stock because it's going to motor your growth path and because Trout Celtic knows how to run an airplane. That's what I would buy. I'd buy it. Let's go to Walter in Virginia. Walter. Hey, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hey, uh, I wanted to give you an opportunity to correct a misstatement you made last time we chatted. Okay. I asked you if uh, you believe a product in a pill could greatly increase your blood flow and give you all the benefits of a bottle of red wine. And you said, I don't believe it exists, but it does. And all the athletes uh, at the NFL Combine with Yo Murphy took it, and it was called Vinia, V-I-N-I-A, okay. by BioHarvest Sciences. And just wanted to give you a chance to look it up and mea culpa. I know you're oh. an honorable man, and I think much of you. Okay. So all right. I didn't well, want to leave that that way. All but right. The, no stop. today, uh, I'd like to talk about... NFE, and where do you see, you know, for me, where do you see the uh, good companies in this industry going? Do they track as a commodity with gas? Okay, look, I think that this is all about uh, Wes Eaton's being able to have a great vision over a multiple-year period. It reminds me of, uh, right now, it reminds me of of Chenier uh, at the beginning. And I think you just buy Wes and you stay long him. Let's go to to, uh, Chad in Wisconsin. Chad. Hey, Jim, long-time listener, uh, student of Jim Kramer here. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. 
Hey, uh, you know, as the market and indexes kind of starting to get a little bit high again, I was starting to think, you know, from Jim Cramer's classes and stuff here, you know, what what stocks are like lower right now and that are going to be more in tune with the interest rates potentially okay. like starting to come down. You know what I got thinking? I'm like, you know, uh, stock in the utility sector. I'm like, yes. you know, if the interest starts going down and those are normally interest rate sensitive when the interest is going down. And you know, with uh, with the stock, um, 120 billion cap, uh, 3.2 dividend yield, uh, right around 15, 16 PE ratio. You know, I want your uh, opinion on what you think about uh, ticker NEE next year energy. Oh, next year. Okay, look, it's good. We did a bunch of. We did a few. Uh, I worked a lot of drill downs last week on this group, and we like Sempra. We like American Electric Power. Those are more our cups of tea. This one, not so much. Let's go to Richard in California. Richard! Hi, Jim. Today, What's up? Today's the company released game-changing news, a partnership with the biggest retailer in the world, Walmart. They're adding breast cancer detection imaging centers in Walmart, the first to open in two days. Their growth is going to wow. be enormous. This company developed AI and is FDA-approved to detect breast cancer two years earlier than anyone else and being more accurate. With Walmart, CVS, and Walgreens jockeying to set up the state-of-the-art community health care centers, this has got to be the best investment I've found in 40 years of being in the market. This is the beginning of Radnet's retail invasion. Look, you know I like Radnet very much. We had Dr. Berger on. I thought it was a super story, and I just think I'm going to stick behind it. I also felt that GE Healthcare from that interview was a buy. People don't agree with me on that. I think they're going to be wrong. Let's go to Hunter in Florida. Hunter. Booyah. Booyah. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How about you? Very well. Thank you. I had a question about Stellantis on a four, 12-month forecast. Should I add to it, sell it, or buy Don't, it? No, just hold on to it because it just had a very big spike. It is by far the best of the group. It's incredible how well it acts and it's still got a good yield. Let's go to Jeff in New York. Jeff. Hello, Mr. Kramer. This is Hi. Jeff from Sodus, New York. This is Jeff from Sodus, New York. Sandwiched okay. between the cold Finger Lakes and the snowy Tuck Hill Plateau. It sure feels like Christmas around here, Jim. Unbelievable. It's like a Google Maps service here. I love this guy. What's going on? <laughs> With retail doing better this holiday season, I'm wondering if this retailer that's already up 20% in a month is going higher. What do you think of Crocs? No, too dicey. I would actually even prefer Deckers to Crocs. I feel a little more convinced that Deckers is going to have a better better holiday season. Let's go to John in New Jersey. John. Jim, how you doing this evening? Oh, well, how about you? Okay, great, thanks. After a disappointing last quarter and the stock kind of just hanging around in the low 50s, when is it time to invest again in Fortinet for this? Now, see, I got to buy best of breed. That's why I like Palo Alto. I know Sentinel reported good. Yeah, it's good things to say. But Palo Alto to me is best of breed. Second is uh, CrowdStrike. Let's go to Tyler in California. Tyler. Hey, Big Booyah from California. How are you doing, Jim? Oh, good to have you on the show, Tyler. What's going on? Uh, so. Doing some technical analysis, I see an inverted head and shoulders on Massimo Core. What do you think? I don't know. They had a tussle with Apple, and I, you know, I, I'm just an Apple guy. What can I say? That's, I, I think that's all you need to know. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Coming up, freedom from fossil fuels is an admirable goal. But for certain green stocks, it's buyer beware. Kramer explains when we return. 
In the end, never forget, this business is about making money, not changing the world. I'm talking about the mistakes so many investors have made, thinking if they just buy shares in alternative energy companies, that could free us from fossil fuels, they could save the environment, and maybe even turn a profit in the process. Now, I understand the desire. The vast majority of us believe we need to cut back on fossil fuels if we're going to have a planet to be able to live on. But the fact is, you own stocks in order to make money, not to save the planet. If you want to make an impact, you can take great stocks, own them, and then when they go up, take profits, and then donate them to a good cause. That's much more effective. However, if, if that's your plan, you need to buy stocks of companies with good prospects, not stocks of companies that are hopeless money losers that agree with your environmental stance. Take plug power. Now, here's a company that makes hydrogen fuel cells. Now, this could be a very important uh, alternative to fossil fuels, or at least it will probably be very important in many years in the future. Andy Marsh, the CEO, has come on Mad Money multiple times talking about his company's prospects. He'd often speak of his own history in the wireless business, where he encountered tremendous resistance to the cell phone from landline uh, Luddites. Once the technology of plug power takes off, he insists that dollars are going to grow. But its last quarter, the company issued what's known as a going concern warning saying it's running out of cash. And if there's one thing you don't want as an investor, it's to own shares in a company that might not even be viable. If you want a hydrogen play, it been better to own Lindy, which makes actual hydrogen alongside its big industrial gas distribution business. Or consider two electric vehicle stocks that used to be incredibly popular, Lucid and Fisker. These two have been heading down for ages. Lucid was at 56 bucks two years ago, now it's at four. Fisker was around 22 uh, two years ago, now it's a buck and a half. Who was helped by either investment? You want an electric vehicle company that I think will make it, I try Rivian, which is pretty well capitalized and some deep-pocketed partners. But sometimes you shouldn't overthink things. You want electric cars? Please, just go buy Tesla. How about batteries? Not that long ago, everyone was gaga for charging stations, the best one charge point. It was at $27 two years ago, now it's below two. How about the lithium-minute batteries, something that used to be sky-high, so high that Elon Musk excoriated the makers of lithium for not producing enough. I guess they listened, because now he seems to be wallowing in lithium. In, in November of 2022, Albemarle, which makes the best of, was 334. Now it's 113. You know what? I think there's more downside. Solar was supposed to be the way of the future, but what people bought when they bought Solar Edge and Enphase Energy uh, out of the goodness of their hearts, what they didn't know is that their solar systems are so expensive. The vast majority of people need financing. They need to borrow money to buy them. When interest rates shot up, it hurt their businesses. And a, a well-meaning investment turned into a nightmare. Last year, Enphase was at almost at 340. Now it's at 110. Solar Edge punched with 322 to 82 over the same period. Look, I could go on and on about the losers. The main issue is that this is not a serious way to invest. Wall Street is ultimately a place where we care about earnings per share, not environmental impact per share. You own stocks to make money, money that can be used for any cause of your choice. Owning a stock because you like what it stands for seems like a good idea. But as we just showed, it's a dangerous way to invest. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise trying to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Mad Money Disclaimer. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive. 
AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.